Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On this week's episode of Barbecue and Tech, we actually have another pit master with us. This gentleman, uh, Marcus McNack, actually grew up in Oklahoma, moved to Texas. I'm really interested in finding out what his really cool flavor of barbecue is. But unlike many of us who watch a lot of YouTube videos to figure out where we want to go with barbecue, Marcus has a different little experience on barbecue. And I, I don't want to break everybody down on what he's done, but just a really cool backstory as to how he got into barbecue and he did it the old fashioned way, not YouTube. So Marcus, it's really nice to have you here. And of course my partner and co-host Chris is here as well. I'm nothing this week though. Hey Marcus, how you doing my man? Marcus has done real competition (laughs) barbecue and won first place in brisket. I'm more interested what he has to say because I know his brisket kicks you. That's right. That's right. How you doing my man? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, No, thank you. And uh, for hanging out and thanks Chanda for uh, hooking us up because, uh, yeah, we definitely looking to find as many uh, cool uh, folks to chat with as possible, man. So my man and, you know, you've got you've got Rod did mention that you had a really cool story. Can you just briefly let these folks know, um, our fans, how how you actually got into barbecue in the first place? Uh I, I got into barbecue as a young, young kid. I was probably seven or eight years old. Uh, my uncle owned a juke joint in uh, eastern part of Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, they did a little gambling, a little uh, little this, a little that. Um, and to keep my little behind out of grown folks' business, uh, he gave me this poker and tended the fire because it was a barbecue place. Uh, that's how I started and it was just exciting. It was fun. You know, I was in charge of something, you know, um, and I was always the first person to get a drumstick off the, the pit. Uh, he had some uh, really nice sized pits. You know, I was, I don't know, maybe four foot nine at the time, but mm-hmm. I could barely see up, but I could see just enough to take care of business. Not to mention seven or eight years old being given a poker and saying, man, it's the fire. It's like, Fire? I can play with fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. That that's super. And I I think the the underlining aspect of it that is something that uh, affects Rod and I as well, which is we our parents got us into cooking. 
You know what I mean? They're yes, like drag, drag us in and like, hey, do this. You know, for me, it was my mom being a, a Jamaican and, you know, putting on these massive Thanksgivings um, was like, get up here and give me a hand. You know, Rod with his parents from, you know, South Carolina with the, the fried chickens and the collard greens and all that stuff, you know, that Very they good have. Southern cooking. Yeah. So, Marcus, one of the things that uh, I immediately wanted to ask you is, you know, because we spend time enjoying the different barbecues and the different regions. Um, you know, I personally like the Texas style brisket. I like uh, Carolina style uh, pulled pork. Um, what exactly makes up an Oklahoma style barbecue? Uh, Oklahoma style barbecue is uh, generally a little bit different than salt, pepper, garlic. Uh, we use uh, an, an entire array of different spices, uh, paprika and chili powders and jalapenos. Uh, there's so many other things out there to help um, help the taste, I would say. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just kick it, kick it down the road a little bit further than just salt, pepper, and garlic. And I'm not saying that's bad. That's, no. you know, but it's different. And I think that's what makes it different. And our sauces uh, in Oklahoma are a little bit different than uh, your normal, you know, it's not a mustard base. It's a ketchup based sauce. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a little bit sweet, but not sweet like Kansas City brown sugar. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. It's okay. not Kansas City sweet because I I um, started an experiment. I recently ordered um, some barbecue sauce, um, Arthur Bryant's. Uh, barbecue sauce out of uh, I think they're out of uh, Kansas City and I ordered uh, Gates they're like the two like head to head guys so I want to do some ribs based on theirs and they're both kind of mustard based um, sauce even though they're red they still kind of have like a heavy mustard flavor to it which I I think is going to be pretty interesting so that's why I was uh, particularly wondering what and what to expect when I've been into an Oklahoma rib so how was the, the transition to then, you know, you moved to Texas as a young fella. Um, you, you decided, you know, you started uh, cooking around the neighborhood um, and helping out with parties and stuff like that. So was it then carrying, carrying on with the same Kansas city style? You know, why, why how come you didn't acquiesce to the Texas style? You just stuck with the Kansas city style. Um, I've had, uh, you know, um, you know, you get lonesome for barbecue yeah. and if you're, you know, at the time, you know, I've cooked, you know, every other weekend or something like that. And I know what my food tastes like. I'm going to try everybody else's. And then there was a couple places I tried and I will never bad mouth anybody because I know how hard it is yep. to do this job, but I will critique. Sure. Uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm obviously not to them, but to myself, sure. I'm like, you know what? Oh man, that's like uh, you know, it, it's just it's just different. Too sweet. No, uh, it's a little bland. It's just little. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It was same thing. You 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 can't help it. Um, that's why you know when I go out to eat, I grab somebody's barbecue and I'm like, I in my head, what I what when I know your barbecue is good is when my first reaction isn't to compare it to mine. It's just to enjoy what I'm eating. Um, yeah. and so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, yeah. and so from doing that, you then decided, you know what, I can bring KC style to the table as opposed to, you know, following what the rest of the folks in, in Texas is doing. Yeah. And so uh, the style that we're using is between the Kansas 
and the Kansas City and the uh, Texas. So it's a blend. It's almost a perfect blend of the two because each one has their high points. Uh-huh. You know? uh, we didn't use a whole lot of black pepper because black pepper was expensive oh. growing up. Okay, yeah. Uh, but we used a lot of the other spices uh, because they were not as expensive sure. and we could get those at the different markets in town. Okay. Uh, and so that is how um, my dad actually came up with the rub um, and he did that in Vietnam. Oh, wow. Uh, and so he brought it back on a three by five card and a lot of the stuff he couldn't find initially, but he knew oh, I could go here and I could go here right. and I could go here and get these stuff. And he, and it works. And I still use almost the exact same recipe. I had to change it a little bit. Right. But, well, you know, it's always nice to put your own spin on something. And because yeah. I've told people on this show, oftentimes, you know, I was watching barbecue Pitmasters, and, you know, and the godfather of barbecue, he said, um, don't worry about making your own rubs. If you don't have one, there's plenty of people out there who make fantastic rubs. Just buy a rub, use that. And then, you know, from there, you can then doctor up or, you know, add some changes to that rub and make it your own and do whatever you want with it. But you don't have to. You can more enjoy the the, the cooking process. Um, but, you know, you, you came built in with the rub, which is pretty awesome. And, and to be fair, we we probably failed to mention uh, this is Crimson Creek. Uh, smokehouse. Uh, and I think it was like dip, dipping springs, Texas is where you're at. Is that, did I say that? Dripping, right? dripping, dripping, dripping. Sorry. I wasn't on the page and I was like, I can only remember a little bit about it. But the, the rub you're talking about is the rub you sell on your, on your, your, your menu page, which is the, the red dirty rub, right? Yes, sir. Right. Red dirt rub. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I, oh, see, the bottle was turned just enough where I couldn't see if there's a Y there. So the red dirt rub. So I'll definitely be having to be click the order and get some of that so we can try that out. But yeah, sure. um, so you're you're now tradi- cooking traditional Texas barbecue, or do you have a hybrid between the two plus with your your rub, or is it just like a wide variety of different types of barbecue at your, with your smokehouse? So um, I'm still cooking in Oklahoma, what I would consider an Oklahoma style barbecue, okay. and I put a instead of just salt, pepper, and garlic on my brisket. I kind of added a few other things to that yeah. uh, to make it more of a, I don't know. I don't even think that's a thing, but an Oklahoma style brisket. Right. Uh, we <laughs> do smoke the pork with uh, uh, pecan and uh, all of our brisket and including our steaks we do uh, with oak. It's probably a, a nice change for people in Texas because it's like, yeah, this salt, pepper, garlic, this one's salt, pepper, garlic. And then they arrive at your smokehouse and it's like, you guys might want to go check out Crimson Creek because they got something else going on. Not to mention, is it uh, your locate? I guess your location. That's it's not just barbecue. You guys are, I guess, have uh, was it bourbon there? Uh, your location? Uh, vodka. vodka. Uh, it's yeah. a uh, deep eddy vodka tasting room. Mm. That's a match made in heaven. <laughs> get your good barbecue. Get your good drink on and sit down and relax and enjoy. So what? Um. So, you know, speaking of smoking and the, the different woods you use, what type of pits do, do you use? Yeah. So I have uh, an initial pit that when we first started in 2020, um, we had a company out of San Antonio, uh, all season feeders who also made smokers mm-hmm. and they made us a custom pit and it was on the back of the trailer 
And I was, so, I was the happiest kid in town. Wow. And we used that for about three weeks. And it was like, I need a bigger pit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the guys that had a taco place in the same trailer park we were at, um, he brought his pit up there. He goes, use it for the weekend. If you like it, you know, I, I can sell it to you. And I used it for two days and uh, we bought it and it's been ours for, you know, ever since. Oh. And it's. Uh, Hold on. You said a taco pit? No, a taco trailer. A taco like the guy trailer. across from us. Yeah. Okay. He had a, a taco business, but he also had a barbecue pit. Okay. Okay. And so we ended up buying it from him. And it's, I mean, it's been a great pit. Uh, it's. Is it an offset uh, or is it a. It, it is an offset stick burner. Okay. Uh, but the difference is it's half inch steel, the entire thing. So it holds, holds the temp. heat like nobody's business. Right. It's once you get it at the temperature, it is it's golden yeah and that's a it's another thing we've discussed we you know i think probably the number one question we get and you know we we kind of gear this podcast to the home pit master you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so that's why we like talking to professionals so we can talk to the pros and then figure out how we would then translate that information to the backyard pit master um, because everybody pretty much starts in their backyard anyway and uh, yeah. so when we talk about you know buying a smoker we all, we, you know, we, we do like to tell people, you know, you can pretty much make barbecue on anything, but it, all you, what you're looking at is how difficult uh, it is to maintain temp and to get to temp. And so the thickness of that smoker definitely makes a difference uh, because you know, our, our original smoker, which we talk about, is was basically a Coke can. <laughs> it was <laughs> right. It was, you know, that thing was super thin and it was just it was crazy to try to keep temperature in there. Um, but then, you know, we, we got the egg and the convenient the, the temperature on the egg was fantastic. But then once you started making bigger and bigger barbecues, it, it just became inconvenient to open that thing and try to add more meat or do something to it or not do something to it. So, all right. So, so you have an offset smoke. Is it a reverse flow or is it a straight? No, it's direct straight flow. Um, and it's, um, so one of the things, you know, when you're talking about, you know, like backyard cooking and that's kind of what I've, I've done a lot. If, if you consider like competition cooking, and backyard cooking, they're almost similar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you you have two racks of ribs or whatever you got going on on your pit. Mm-hmm. Now, now you have to multiply that. Now you're doing, you know, 10. Can you do 10? Okay. Can you do 20? Okay. You can do 20 now. Now you have to add in this, 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 and this and figuring out where it needs to go on your pit. So now instead of just cooking two slabs of ribs or two racks of baby backs or something like that, you know, that's, that's pretty simple. But now you multiply that right. and then you keep adding different stuff and knowing where it needs to go and when it's going to be ready. Because, you know, every, every time you open that door, you know, you lose your temperature you lose, and it, you start all over. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a heck it's a heck of a little process to, to learn how to do it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we always do our best to at least convey how we prepare for uh big events so you know i'm hoping people have picked up by now because like rod and i will do like a uh christmas together and we'll do some barbecue for christmas and we'll do the super bowl and we'll do easter and one of the main reasons if people haven't picked up on what why we actually do an episode 
planning the the event is because we want people to see how we, you know, pick out the foods we want to do, but also time out when we want to, you know, when we want to cook certain things so that everything is ready at the same time. Cause you know, I spent many years working in restaurants. So timing is everything when you want everything to come out nice, hot and, and, and good. So I have to imagine, you know, run, running your, uh, your smokehouse. It, yeah. You're doing the same thing, which is figuring out what goes on when, what, you know, knowing how long it takes to cook. Um, and on average is, you know, is, is your, is your brisket going 12, 13 hours or, you know, are you doing it overnight or, you know, how, how are you doing that? So generally we'll do our, our briskets the day before. Mm-hmm. So we're only open right now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, okay. So Thursday's uh, cook is for Friday. Friday's cook is for Saturday. Saturday's cook is for Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, and I generally like to use a smaller brisket because we do chops. Oh, uh, yeah. Chop brisket okay. because uh, I am the only person cooking. Okay. Um, and so I don't have time to sit and trim a brisket all the way down sure. and then put it on. By the time I get the first two or three done, I could have them all on and they're already ready to go. Um, if we do do um, the you know sliced brisket for events and stuff sure, like that, sure. that's, that's pre-order. But yeah. otherwise, it's because we're a pork forward truck. Okay. We are majority um, pork and poultry. Makes sense. And uh, so is there like a, a place out in Texas? Because I got to imagine the the meat that you guys have access to is phenomenal. Is there a specific place that you get your briskets and the rest of your pork from? Or is it just, you know, Costco, Sam's Club, whatever? Um, mostly it's uh, Restaurant Depot. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And that, they pretty much have everything you would ever need. Uh, and we do get, you know, coleslaw and something like that from Sam's, mm-hmm. uh, we have, uh, and now we're using us foods, uh, as our, uh, vendor. Yes. And, uh, did you, do you find a difference between like using like the, the food service uh, vendors and, uh, cause I imagine at some point you started out doing Costco and, 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 or Sam's club or whatever, you know, is out there. Do you find a difference in quality between the two? Well, what I did find is I know that uh, when we first started, uh, it was HEB, uh, Costco, Sam's, Walmart, wherever I could find, whatever I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gradually it got smaller and smaller to where I knew exactly, okay, I know I need to go to Sam's, get, you know, paper towels and pants. Mm-hmm. And then I could get, you know, this, that, and the other from there. Uh, and it was, it took a while because when you're a small, uh, we tried when we first started uh, to have a, come. I won't say the name, uh, and they were delivering food. We were the last drop. And most of the time when the uh, food got there, it, I couldn't use it. It wasn't a tip. Wow. It was. And, and so, and if it was on time and kind of, we still couldn't use it. Uh, I, again, like I said, I won't say any names because, uh, yeah, no <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, um, the, so, cause we, we did, uh, one of the, the episodes, we did a, a nice experiment where we took a brisket from our local butcher. We took a brisket from, uh, Costco, did we get Costco, Rod? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Costco. It was it was uh, the butcher. Oh, and then we ordered one from Snake River Farms. 
And as expected, you know, the Snake River <laughs> Farms, that their $300 brisket, you know, it, it was it, shockingly, uh, you know, he- heads and toes above the other two. But the the more interesting aspect of it, which, you know, we expected that, but the more interesting aspect was what was going to happen between Costco and the butcher. And surprisingly, the butcher brisket, um, to me, at least, and I think to pretty much everyone else that had it you know, in our family that you know was part of the the judging, uh, heads and toe above uh, Costco, and so I've kind of sworn off the Costco brisket myself because I've just I cannot get their brisket to smoke consistently uh, for whatever reason. I have a uh, I, I have a Stumps XL baby, which is a kind of a cabinet smoker, and it I, you know it's semi professional even though it's in my backyard, um, but I can't get. I, for whatever reason, their briskets, I struggle with. And so, you know, so I always try to see where, where people get their quality briskets from, um, in their, um, and did you find the same type of issue or, um, from getting the pork and stuff as well? Did it kind of follow the same lines where it's just like, you know what, this is perfect for us, you know, going from the restaurant depot? Yeah, so I, I'm going to use uh, pork belly as an example. Um, uh, HEB sells a natural pork belly, which is probably 30 to 40% more than the regular pork belly that they sell. I imagine that has less fat on it, though. Yes, and but it doesn't – the price difference doesn't really – work out towards the uh, the more natural one. Mm. And I don't really even know what the difference is because they're both from the same company. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've tried. I've done like the little taste test. You know, put two pork bellies in the yeah. tray. Which one you like best? You know, they both taste the same. That's all I need to know. Right, right, right. And yeah, now you have those. We do have brisket as experts. Uh, that know like, hey, this, this, this again. I didn't grow up with brisket. Sure, I grew up with pork, so I know exactly what I'm tasting, what I'm looking for uh, with brisket. Hey, tastes good to me. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> so, you go ahead, Rod. I, I, I want. I'm probably going to take a little bit of a U-turn off of where Chris is at because you went from learning like that barbecue as a young kid, doing stuff for friends. And then you find yourself in competitions mm-hmm. and you won for brisket. So that, that a little bit of that journey, cause then how, how different did your cooking style have to pivot when you went from preparing that food at home for everybody that they love to competing in competitions? Like what was that journey like for you? Like how long did, I'm assuming it wasn't your first competition. It's like, Oh, look, I won. All right, I'm done. Uh, what yeah. was that journey? like? <laughs> well, the journey started, um, uh, with steaks, um, we would always do like these. They, there was no federation of steak cook-offs at the time. Yeah. It was just, hey, they're having a steak cook-off. All right, cool. Let's do it. Um, and that's how I kind of got uh, that. Uh, I missed that uh, competition. Okay. Um, I was an athlete in college. And so that was competition. I like that. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm, I'm old. Uh, I had to find another way of competing. And barbecue was easy. 
didn't hurt my knees. <laughs> just lose a little, lose a little bit of sleep. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it was again, you know, making one thing really great, one thing to turn in in the box. And you know, the first competition I did barbecue, I didn't know that you had all this like you know lettuce and stuff and just kale Damn. that was supposed to go in the box, right? I, I, hey, here you go. And, and, and I was looking at everybody else's box. I was like, oh, man, maybe we should have had some lettuce or something. There. <laughs> oh, so your, but, your first so, competition, this was a learning curve. It wasn't like – it's not like – like you said, you didn't learn on YouTube. You didn't watch like Barbecue Pitmasters where you're like, all right, I know what to expect walking into it, and I have to inject the heck out of this. I have to over-season it. You, you went in like, I'm going to prepare food like it should be prepared. Yeah, and that was it. And oh, my goodness. So, um, so after I realized that, you know, there was like, you, know, you have to make it look pretty. <laughs> I was like, man, come on. Uh, and so that kind of took a little bit off the top for me. Sure. Um, but when we did the, uh, I was a part of a cooking team, uh, here, uh, in Austin. And that was, I mean, everybody was doing their thing. You know, there was, plenty of beer to go around and I was the only person that was still up, you know, trying, because this was, this was a thing for me. Sure. You know, I'm, you know, obviously I've had a few, you know, little drinks, but I wasn't, I was concentrated on one thing. Right. Um, And the next morning, uh, most of the guys got up and it was like, Oh man, we overcooked ours. It's this, that he goes, you have one to turn in. I was like, I have two, you know, what do you want to do? And they, cut a few slices out and they're like, yep, yeah, this one will work. Turn it in. And yeah, that was a, that, and that kind of just solidified it to me. I was like, I'm not even from Texas, but right, I'm here in <laughs> <and> your house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is amazing. And, and I know I pivot around a lot cause I, I, I know the, the, something you said very early. And I guess when Chris was asking you questions was I cook Friday for sat or Thursday for Friday, Friday for Saturday, Saturday for Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. which does mean that you go through the process of reheating. Chris, we have a epic story of Chris rushing to a Washington commanders game with, I think it was a brisket in the back in a sous vide machine reheating it. I've done it as well. What's your process for reheating? Cause as you can imagine, most home barbecue people, the thing you're always struggling with is that you're typically trying to cook day of and then serve people. And obviously you're serving extremely high quality barbecue for people, but you are capable of cooking it the day prior and then delivering high quality food. So I guess some tips that you would give that, that home barbecue person of not pulling their hair out, trying to get everything prepared that day and how to reheat, uh, good barbecue, specifically pork, since I know that's your specialty. But yeah, if you want to talk about just reheating, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, like, so today is a perfect example. We have an event to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So all the brisket I cook today, all the pork shoulder I cook today. So as it comes off the pit, it goes into our warmer at 140 degrees and it will say just perfect. And tomorrow I pull it out. We slice it or chop it up. Oh, or pull it and, and it's ready to go. And that's how I do it. Oh, so it's not, it's actually not going from it's sitting in a warmer the entire time. It's not going down refrigerator temperature and then having to crack up. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. So in that, that, uh, that took a while to learn how to do because I was like, you know, cause you can cook, you know, let's say you cook on a Monday and you don't need it until Thursday. So you pull it, vacuum seal it, 
put it in the walk-in or the freezer, and then you thaw it back out and cook it again. To me, it loses a little bit. Of, it loses quite a bit of quality. Yeah. So we figured out now we have these warmers, you know, these big warmer boxes, you know, 16 trays in each one or however it works. You cook it and you uh, uh, wrap it in foil in a pan, put it in there and leave it at 140, 144 degrees. And it stays constant. And it ac- actually works really good on brisket. Because it's no different than pulling it off, sticking it in the cooler, and letting it cool down, and then you take it off, and then we just take it an extra step. Yeah, I secretly wow. have been considering buying like an actual electronic uh, warmer because I have uh, I have like three different uh, I have a you know a cam a Cambro two Cambros and uh, I forgot the name of the other one, but that's you know typically let it rest in there, and I did find a difference in resting it in there versus resting it in an actual cooler with the towel wrapped around it and all that stuff. But I have been kind of mm-hmm. keeping my eye out on the on the warmers. So did, was that your first use of a warmer? Did you start out using coolers and all that stuff uh, when it came uh, to resting? Uh, I used to. I used to have a lot of the big, you know, you could get them at Sam's. They're big white coolers and mm-hmm. had, you know, towels just specific for that because they would get all greasy. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, you know, there has to be a different way. And and we had the warmer sitting there, and it just didn't. <laughs> and I was like, "What about this thing? How, how high does the temperature go up?" Okay, well, I don't need it this high. One forty, one forty-five. It sits in there. It just does its thing. The next morning, you get there, you cut it open, and you're ready to roll. That is amazing. And yeah. I think it's like the challenge for like the home cook is like they're like I can't go buy a warmer. I guess I'm gonna stick with <laughs> yeah. the coolers or. But, so you can use your oven almost the same way, just to keep warm setting if it has it. Yeah, that that would make sense too. Uh, to to do that, I I never actually used my oven because I, I you know the moment I saw like all the competitors using like the Cambros and stuff like that, I immediately ordered one, and I love that thing because it keeps. Like, I mean, I think we've gone five, six hours and open that thing up and it's just still steaming hot. And, you know, the the flavor and the juices are all there where where it needs to be. But, I, you know, I've done a few tailgates. Uh, I'm, I love tailgating. And so, you know, the trick is always when you're preparing a ton of food, how to time it out and what you can do. And the older I get, the less I want to sit up all night trying to get things done. So, <laughs> so finding different ways to um, keep the food warm so I can maybe can do a little bit, you know, earlier and all that stuff is always uh, something interesting to me. Um, and so with your, with your pit, you, you don't have like uh, any type of blowers on it. It's it just strictly using its own ability to keep temp, right? Correct. Um, I do have a fan that sometimes, you know, you get a little lackadaisical temperature goes down. You need to get it right back up. Um, and so I do have a fan that I'll open up the door mm-hmm. and the fan will blow through, kick it up and then close it back down and, and keep going. But you've been managing fire for probably 30 plus 40 years. So you, yeah. you get, this is down to a science for you at this point in time. You don't have a, you don't struggle with temp control unless no. it's one of those lackadaisical moments. Right. Yeah. So there's always something else going on, you know, whether you're inside, you know, cutting onions or whatever you have going on and you come out and you're just like, oh, man. And then, you know, you go from there. And are you? But yeah. I was going to ask, are there thermometers or any? Is there, I guess, actually probably better. Is there any tech that you're using inside of that? Like, 
I know as a home cook, we use, uh, what is that thermometer we use, Chris? Uh, we use the thermopop thermometer for one. Thermopan, we use the meter. We have the, meter. The, the meters. And then, um, uh, yeah, those are the two main ones. The thermopop, yeah, thermopan, and the the thermopan and the meter. Um, okay. are you, are you at this point just doing everything by feel or do you have a, a nice trusty no. thermometer that you like to use? Uh, um, I don't use like the, uh, the screw in like thermometers that, you know, should go from, I don't know, they show the temperature. Yeah, yeah. I use at, I use at great temperature. Right. So my, mine are pl- literally sitting right next to the food. So I know exactly what that temperature is because you have your ambient temperature that's mm-hmm. in, because you think of a, like a, a beer can on the side, you know, that's a lot of empty space. Right. And your food is taking up some of that space, yeah. but the rest of that is just empty air. So I don't think to, in my opinion, the temperature that that gauge is picking up is not the temperature your food is cooking at. Right. Uh, so I have, I mean, it is literally right next, next to the food. I do not ever, I don't ever think I, I'll probe to check temperature uh, with an ink bird. Ink bird. Other That's than another that, popular yeah. one, Rod, the ink bird. Okay. Yeah. It's a little orange one. Yeah. Uh, but everything else is at temperature. So I'll have four or five different ones around, you know, if you have brisket and pork shoulder and ribs and turkey on each one of those cooks at a different temperature. So you have to know where to put it on, right? Uh, where the meat needs to go on the pit, and then you put your thermometer next to it to make sure that you you're pretty close to that. So for the grate, you have like one of those round stainless steel ones that sit in the smoker. No, it's actually a probe. Oh, it is a probe. Uh, okay, it is a probe, and it literally sits right next to the meat. Got it. Okay. Um, now, when I'm cooking steaks, I do have the flat disc that goes on there to make sure that I'm at the searing temperature. Right. And for your steaks, are you reverse searing them? So you're smoking them first and then searing them off or are you? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Smoking them first and then finishing them off on hot. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So one of the the benefits of coming from another area and then going to another area and it is your ability to infuse what you learned um, into your barbecue and you have a a, a collaboration coming up with the with our girl, girl Chandra um, with the uh, with her Cambodian uh, in, infusing so to tell me about this event that you guys are about to do and how you guys came up with the menu um, she actually came up with the menu. Okay. And we were like, whatever you need us to do, you just let us know. 
Um, she, we've done one before when we were at another location mm-hmm. and um, she marinated some pork chops mm. and uh, we smoked those and then finished them off on a hot grill mm-hmm. and they were amazing. Yeah. I can't, I can't make pork chops like that, <laughs> but they were amazing. And uh, so it looks like, and uh, you guys got the egg rolls and the pork belly burnt ends with the, as a bowl. That sounds absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then you have the Cambodian beef skewers. So are you going to run those on two different pits or using like, you know, like you, I heard you say that you like to use oak, I think for the beef and then pecan for the pork. Is that right? Yes, sir. So are you going to do the same thing for this? Or are you just going to run yes. one pit? Okay. So. No, I, and so I have, uh, Four smokers. Uh, no, granted, they're not all big. Yeah, I've yeah. got some smaller ones that I used to use that were in the backyard, uh, but I have a multitude of different grills. Uh, I, I want to have a pit or a grill for everything that I cook. That, and, oh, okay. Okay. So you, so you, you have your pits for your beef, you have your pits for your ribs. And this is what I was talking to you about the other day, Rod, when I said, I, I'm, you know, I love my smoker. I would not trade it for anything in the world. It does really well. But for some reason, I've got this inkling that I need to get a offset smoker to complement it and, uh, you know, and figure out, you know, I would cook all the same things on uh, on the on the new smoker and then figure out what I like better on which smoker. Uh, so how, how did you, is that how you kind of did it? Or you just kind of bought a new smoker? It was like, all right, I just need this one to do this. And I need this one to do this. Or did you actually take time to kind of figure out which one does what better? So when we first started, uh, when we were up North, we, when we lived up North, uh, I knew we were moving into a HOA neighborhood and I wasn't going to be able to do the stuff that I did when we were up North. So I got rid of every barbecue pit, trailer, everything. I was done. Mm. We moved down here. Uh, down south here in Dripping Springs and COVID hit and everything like the world ended. Yep. And it was like, man, my wife was like, you know, you need to find something to do. <laughs> you need to find something to do. Um, so I uh, went to, uh, I think it was Lowe's and got like a little offset. It was, it was like 250 bucks yep. or something. And I had to put it together and I built one fire and I was like, this is going to work. So I was like, all right, so I'm, that's my job now. I'm going to look for a little small, cheap-ish smoker just to cook around the house. Uh, Well, I ended up finding uh, that uh, ASF, and it was at uh, HEB. I was like, oh, this will work. And and it worked great. Mm. Uh, And I could put, I don't know, eight to ten shoulders on there and just, I just, did it and that's when we started doing I I call it bootleg barbecue at that point. (laughs) (laughs) We just kind of did it. Right. Uh and then um got in touch with the people who actually made the pit and they made us a custom one. Oh. And that was on the back side of our trailer that we ended up buying. And then we had to move that off because I needed the kitchen space because you know things got a little bit um we literally jumped off a cliff and learned how to f- uh, fly on the way down. Uh, and it, and it, uh, and it's been nonstop since. So, so how do you decide? Cause you know, I know your wife was very instrumental in pushing you into 
um, going down this route? What's like kind of like as, when as you were learning, you know, so let's say you want to let's say uh, my dream one day is, uh, you know, just do just kind of the same thing. Just have like a food truck where I'm doing barbecue on the weekends and stuff like that. So if you were advising me, what would be like the first three things you would tell me to do? Uh, first thing is understanding uh, the difference between uh, backyard competition and production. Mm. That would be the number one thing because I had the backyard mindset Mm -hmm. trying to do a little bit of the competition in there Mm -hmm. and then got kicked in the face when it was like, Oh, I got to make how many of these (laughs) that, that was, that's the number one thing is knowing what you're about to get into, right? What you're getting to. And next after that, always get a bigger pit than you think you need. Mm. Oh, that's because interesting. I was, I was happy with that upright. Sure. I was, I was like, Oh man, I could put, you know, 10 racks of ribs on here. Right. Oh yeah. 10. <laughs> Ten? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and then also uh-huh. learn how to say no. Ah, okay. This is learning how to say no is a big thing. And to uh, to be specific, that's like when somebody's asking you to do an event that you know you can't handle. Correct. That's the or you can handle, but you shouldn't. Mm. So I had to run away for a moment. So I missed a little bit because I had a package I had to sign for at the door. They Uh, have to come now. Um, but uh, since you were mentioning the concept of learning how to say no. Looking at your site, I couldn't tell. Can I order barbecue to be shipped? Do you like um, freeze and ship for someone who's out of state who wants to order some of your barbecue? We we were doing that, uh, and now we've kind of taken a different approach. We're waiting for uh, an outside company that is going to do it for us. Oh, okay, awesome. Do all the shipping. Uh, we were shipping. We we're shipping in New York and Florida and New York, all over the place, right. California. Um, and now, uh, we've gotten a little bit further along and that's, you know, learn, uh, uh, jumping off the cliff and learn how to fly on your way down. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you get to these different little points and you're like, Oh, wow. We're doing this. Oh, well, we can't do this anymore. We got to do it this way. Uh, so and that no is coming soon. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like we're that. used to, yeah. we used to, but not now, but. If I wanted to grab the uh, the red dirt rub, is that I'm assuming that's something you like? We can handle shipping that. It's the it's the food that has to be kind of prepared, so it's you know dry ice, whatever the shipping process. We we make it. A company will handle that. So probably within the next couple weeks or months, if someone wants to say, I got to sample this barbecue the way you do it, they they could come back to your site and click order and yes. have some of that delivered. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, right now. Uh, we are about uh, a month away from having uh, all of our uh, seasonings uh, in a local local uh, grocery store near you. That is oh wow, awesome. dang, cool. big time! And I like that. Now, uh, um, how do are, are you always in the same location, or do you actually find yourself doing? Because I know I get again, you're doing the collab that you have coming up soon, but are there? Is like is like a Facebook page or an Instagram where people can kind of keep up with what you have going on. 
Yeah, uh, we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're on all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, we do not move. Our trailer is, was parked there on the July 4th, and I don't think it's leaving until July of 2035. All right. I think it's when our little thing is up. That's 35, so you said? Yeah. Okay, so you got a little way. You have a location that you found. You're able to park the trail and people can come. I might have to get some dark hairs here before that happens. (laughs) That's fantastic. I'm just keep looking at this menu, just to the the Bon Hoy platter. And are you adding to this menu as well? Or are you strictly doing the cooking for for the collab you're doing? I'm just going to we're going to have some stuff. Uh, We're not going to have our full menu that day. Uh, I know she's going to fry some stuff. So we have our fryers up there as well. Mm. Um, and we're basically going to be 100% pushing, uh, her menu. That, that just, just looks so good. <laughs> and I would, I would, that's one of the times, you know, we, we're from DC. So, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of love for Texas, but uh, <laughs> this would be one time I'd be excited to be out there. And, um, so I see as well on your, on your menu, you do turkey breasts and, um, is that something you do all the time as well? Yeah. That's, uh, anytime we're open, we'll have the turkey breasts. Yeah, that's something I'm really starting to get into of late. Um, just, uh, I, I don't know what it is about smoked turkey breasts. It's just, I'm really starting to enjoy that as like, uh, just, you know, just as a regular staple of doing a barbecue. And then, um, because, and I assume because you, you know, your soul is, um, well established in pork, that's why you went with the pork belly burnt ends as opposed mm-hmm. to the, uh, uh, traditional burnt ends with the brisket. And then with the rib tips. So I, I assume you're buying the whole, the, you know, the whole, uh, spare rib. Are you cutting the, the, uh, the tips off and then smoking them separately or do you smoke the whole thing and then cut it to make the rib tips? No, we were, uh, so we were getting the raw version and cutting them, um, because I couldn't find them anywhere. Mm. Uh, I couldn't find rib tips at all. And I would find like every now and then, like I would get so excited. It was like, Oh yeah, we have rib tips. I show up and it's like riblets, which are like <laughs> an inch tall. I was like, no, that's not what I need. <laughs> But uh, I did find a place that actually has them, uh, and uh, that's when we started carrying them uh, full time. And then, so you smoked them separately from the Correct. from the spare yeah. rib. Yeah, they 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 come uh, cryovac separately. Ah, uh, interesting. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of of actual rib tips, and uh, I don't know. I, I I like them both ways. I've I've cut them off the spare rib. And then season them up and smoke them separately. And then just, you know, normally, like, if I'm wrapping the ribs, I'll, uh, you know, wrap those all together in one big thing and just let them just cook down together and then, you know, snack on those while the ribs are, are finishing up. But uh, I, I definitely enjoy the rib tips. Now, being in a – so here's the other another question I almost forgot to ask you. So being in a more commercial setting, you're cooking – you know, tons and tons of ribs and stuff like that. You know, traditionally when I make ribs, I wrap my ribs, I make brisket, I wrap my brisket. I assume that you continue to wrap the brisket, but do you find yourself still wrapping the ribs as well? Or do you just don't have time to wrap them? No, uh, all of the ribs are wrapped and I use aluminum foil 
and I wrap all my ribs. I wrap my rib tips. It's a lot of foil, Mm -hmm. but to me, it makes a better product. I just recently found out that there is a name for that. It's called a Texas crutch. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And and I was like, Oh, I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. But, um, but that was uh, one of the things that, again, you know, when we first started, it was like, yeah, I'm doing two or three racks of ribs. Hey, yeah, I can wrap those up. And it was like, okay, now it's like, but you have to do it to get the, the, you get the, the, the moistness and the, you know, you really break down the, the cartilage a bit more. Um, not too much because obviously you don't want it falling off the bone, but, uh, it True. definitely helps to, uh, tenderize that rib. And mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, I, I was wondered about that too. Cause I was like, man, if you're making like 30, 40, uh, racks of ribs, do you actually have time to wrap all those guys? Um, so oh, yeah. not just that, like, I mean, if you think when we're doing ribs, Chris, we're doing what, let's say five racks mm-hmm. and tops, you might be pushing on a big party, 10 racks. We have time to pull the membrane, but I would imagine when you're doing that volume of meat, you're not just doing ribs, but you're doing ribs, you're doing pork, you're doing briskets. You're probably having to say, sometimes you have to score because that at a restaurant, I would imagine there's, and actually that's probably more of a question. Can you taste the difference personally between someone who pulls that membrane off the back of the ribs versus leaving it, scoring it? Uh, is there a big difference to you? To me, it is. Um, okay. I've, I've done, uh, I, I am a very like scientifically minded person. Mm-hmm. So I have taken that uh, membrane off and I've tried to cook it and figure out how I can make that a thing. It is not ever going to be a thing. <laughs> I always pull it off. It's not that it doesn't take that long and it's an impenetrable barrier. Yeah. You yeah. can't season through it. Yeah. It, it, it is. You, I tell you what, next time, next time you get us a rack or slab of ribs, Take it out, sprinkle some salt on on the one side of it, and wrap it up in foil and put it in the refrigerator. See what you come up with. All right, I think All right. <laughs> no, it's, the funny thing is that uh, as I, I'm with you, right? I've tried both ways. Um, just more for the experience of eating the rib. I I don't enjoy eating a rib where the membrane's still on there. Um, it's it's just not fun. It's not enjoyable once I get to that membrane. But I still see YouTube videos where guys like I never pull the membrane. I you know, it. it's not a big deal. They don't even score it. They just cook it and they're like, you know, all the meats on the other side. They don't even season the bottom. You know, I got to season the bottom of the rib. I mean, they're like, you know, and these are like successful, you know, barbecue guys and YouTubers. And, yeah. you know, they have barbecue restaurants that are and they're like, we don't waste it. We don't have time for that. And, you know, I'm like more power to you. I just couldn't. I couldn't do that, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked that now these restaurants don't actually pre pull it for you. I'm yeah. sorry though. No, the uh, suppliers don't actually pre pull it and, and be done with it, but I guess yeah, it, we can. Uh, we'll just charge you more per pound. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, um, so it's like, there are certain things that people, um, that I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a professional, but I've been doing it a while. Mm. Uh, one of the things is, you know, people talk about dirty smoke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, your smoke needs to be this color. Okay, that's cool. And they're like, oh, you have to burn down your wood and do this, that, and the other mm-hmm. when you start cooking. All right. So what happens when you add another law? Do you pull all your food off? Right. Yeah. Get, and then put it back on? No. So 
what's the difference between doing it in the middle or the beginning or the end? It, you know, it's interesting you say that because there was a oh, God, the guy who runs a what is that guy? The scientific guy who does barbecue, Chris, out of Texas. The mad scientist. Mad scientist. He yeah. ran a thing saying uh, I, he kind of stepped back on that dirty smoke. It, precise, not exactly for the same reasons, but he said I cooked with a little bit more dirty smoke and it gave me a better smoke flavor. He goes, there, there, there's a extreme like where it's piping out just white smokes billows like you don't yeah. want that but there's a happy medium of getting some of a little bit of that dirty smoke does add uh some additional flavor and not the bitter flavor that everybody thinks yeah. you're gonna get from a little bit of dirty smoke so what i've determined is that i don't want the super billowy smoke on especially on something that's a lighter smoke like a fish or a chicken that's to me is where i can taste the the bitterness but something a bit stronger like a beef even ribs to some extent beef ribs yeah you know i i don't feel like i have to wait you know two hours to get like a nice light blue smoke before i get it but i don't want it billowing either so i and i agree with you and i think uh part of it is when you add the log in the middle of the smoke, it doesn't, you know, I think because the other ones are already there burning that it doesn't it necessarily just go right up and start getting into that, you know, that big, you know, s- sour smoke. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm with you because like, I'm definitely not taking the food out to add more wood. <laughs> to my smoke. So I have a knockoff version of a green egg. I think it's called a char griller. A buddy of mine gave, uh-huh. gave me. Uh, and so I burn. uh I start off with charcoal and I throw wood in there. Yep. And as it burns down, I use the coals to make to feed my fire. Yep. So I never have that super rise in temperature right. when you add a log and then the drop and all that good stuff. And it just it just works a lot better for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's a uh, in my opinion, again, um it's a uh it's it's the medium. Yeah, because you're just adding holes that are already right down. Yeah. Right, and despite what you said earlier, you are a professional. The, to be to be fair, you have competed in competitions, been smoking for thirty plus years, and you run your own place where you're actually selling it, and a website where I can order it from. <laughs> uh, if it walks like a duck, <laughs> you're a professional. My, I mean, my you criteria are, is yeah. super simple. If you make money doing something, you're a professional. You're a professional. That's so it. You're, uh, <laughs> and it, I, I, honestly, if I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people jump over to the um, Crimson Creek uh, Smokehouse website so they can they can try out that rub. I'm definitely ordering some. Well, we'll probably order something together. So yeah, I, I would try well, to. Well, aren't y'all coming out to uh, your girls? Uh, Man, thing? we can't fly to Texas anytime soon. What? <laughs> you can drive. Yeah. Well, yeah, Not I Maryland? guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it would be an interesting trip for the for the uh, my lightning, uh, but uh, no, I'm, unfortunately, I will not make it out there for that. But uh, I will All definitely right. be checking out the pictures, though. Um, hey, listen, Marcus, man, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on here and and just giving us some tips uh, uh, and just talking to us about barbecue, man. We we can have this conversation with anybody. Um, for folks that's listening, you can uh, check out crimsoncreekbarbecue.com if you want to get one of the rubs. Um, check them out on Instagram, um, uh, Facebook, and uh, cause, and definitely check, you know, especially in the next couple of weeks when they get this uh, this collab going because, you know, this is going to be amazing. 
Uh, Marcus, I hope we can, uh, you know, have you back uh, and uh, have another conversation, maybe get a little bit more specific on some of the pits and some of the other stuff that you do. Um, but uh, I appreciate you so much for coming on here, man. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. All right. I think we're going to roll out. Everybody, if you want to support the show, there's a wide variety of ways you guys know how to do that. We appreciate everybody who hits us up on uh, Patreon and who are actually supporting the show. We're always getting new Patreon people each week. So that definitely helps us out uh, supporting the show. And hopefully it'll get Chris maybe a trip to Texas at some point in time to go uh, do enjoy some barbecue. And honestly, we've had some amazing uh, pit masters from all over. And it's always great to get a pit master because it's, it, I guess it gives us all an angle of what it takes actually to that dream of running your own food truck or your, or your own uh, restaurant of delivering great barbecue. So Marcus, keep up the good work of what you're doing. And uh, we will be checking back for when we can finally click the order button on your website and have it, sh- have your fantastic food shipped all throughout the United States. But until then we're grabbing that rub for sure. Yep. Awesome. Right, Thank, you. Out. Thank you. Peace.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 